life can get really busy really fast. But how often do we stop and give thanks for the things we take for granted? Like the fact that you woke up today. Or the clean running water. Or the systems in place so you can drive to work safely. The co-worker who got there early and started the coffee. Or the smell of that coffee. Or the guy who held the door for you. There's a family member who waits all day just to see you. And the cashier who let you buy 11 items in a 10 items or less line. The electricity that lets you read way past your bedtime. Or the guy who actually thought all this awesomeness up. Life can get really busy really fast. But thankfully, it only takes a moment to say, all right well you can see from the video there's a lot to be thankful for maybe we take some of those things for granted Uh, Luke chapter 17 is going to be our text this morning. If you want to open to Luke 17, we'll be there in just a moment. If you you don't have a Bible, a a hard copy, or a Bible on your phone, and you don't know how to find one, come talk to me following the services, and I'll make sure we get you a Bible. But every morning, every Sunday morning, when I stand up here to speak, I'm going to ask you to turn somewhere. So Luke 17 is going to be our main text this morning. Uh, Being a preacher, I had the opportunity to meet and work with other preachers. So I hear their stories, and I hear about what's going on at the churches that they work at. And one preacher was telling me, he's a young preacher, uh, he was telling me at his church that there was a woman that just didn't like him. And he heard about this through the grapevine, pretty much from everybody, that she didn't like what he was preaching on, and she just didn't like him in general. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, if someone sins against you, what should you do? You should go talk to that person. So that preacher wanted to actually put that into practice. So he went and he talked to that woman. And he said, from now on, if you have a problem with me, come talk to me about it. And that was probably a mistake because from then on out, every Sunday, she met him in the foyer to tell him what was wrong with the sermon. And one, one Sunday in particular, she just really ripped into him. Not only does she not like his sermon, but she just doesn't like him. And she just went on and on. And he went home, and he was feeling terrible. He couldn't get it out of his mind. So he called his dad, who was a retired preacher, and he asked his dad, what do I do? Can you give me some advice? You know, this woman is making, making it very difficult for me at this church. And he said, when we get out the phone, pray a prayer of thanksgiving. He said, thank God that you have the opportunity to be a preacher for this church. Thank God that you made it home safely. And he said, and thank God that you're not married to that woman. 
It could always be worse. There's always something to be thankful for. So over the last few weeks, I've been doing this sermon series that I just called Holiday Words. It's holiday time. Uh, there's a lot of different words that maybe we think of. We've looked at words like happiness. we looked at words like home and memories. It's Thanksgiving week. You can see from the PowerPoint, and we're doing a series on holiday words. We're going to talk about two words this morning, and that's thank you. But I want to look at this thank you, this idea of being thankful, maybe from a, from a different perspective, a different lens than how we would normally look at it, using Luke 17. You know, we try to teach our children from a very early age to say thank you. My son is not quite two years old yet, and he's getting the hang of it. He doesn't sound out thank you just right. It sounds more like naknu. And he may scream at you and throw a big fit, but if you give him what he's wanting, he'll stop the fit and say naknu. So at least he's getting that part down. But I don't, I, you know, I don't know if he, you know, he just says thank you, but we've got to work on the fit part. But we teach children to say thank you. It's nice to say thank you to someone. But is there a difference between just verbalizing thank you and actually being a thankful person? Here at Pine Tree, our mission is to make, mature, and multiply faithful followers of Jesus. As a maturing disciple myself, as a lot of you are in that place, what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus in the maturing process and to genuinely be thankful? That's what I want to look at this morning. We're going to start in Luke chapter 17, really starting in verse 5. It's a very simple verse, verse 5. The disciples come up to Jesus. He's been teaching some really difficult things on uh, not causing the little ones to stumble, not... Uh, being a stumbling block for their faith. He's taught them to rebuke others. He's taught them to forgive and keep forgiving. These are difficult teachings. So verse 5, the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, increase our faith. Uh, It sounds like either it's a question or a request. Like They're requesting that Jesus increase their faith. Why? Because they feel like they need stronger and more faith to be able to put these things into practice. So they say, increase our faith. And in verse 6, Jesus has a very strange response. He says to them, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and thrown into the sea. There's his response on faith. And if you're looking at your Bibles like mine, you probably have subtitles And then following verse 6, there's a different subtitle as if Jesus is just moving on to a different topic. But what I want to present to you this morning, in verses 5 through 19, if you could take away the subtitles, I think there's a common thread here. I want faithfulness and thankfulness. But first, Jesus is responding to their request to increase the faith. So he starts by talking about a mulberry uh, a mulberry tree, before he talks about a mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, so maybe what Jesus is alluding to, that use the faith you already have. You may not feel like you have a great big faith, but you have some faith, so use the faith that you already have, and God can work with that. 
uproot this mulberry tree, throw it into the sea. It sounds like something from one of those X-Men movies. You know, mutants that have special powers, and, and it probably happened in one of those movies where you could uproot a tree and throw it into the sea. But I think the emphasis, and Jesus is making a strong emphasis on this, is that God can do great things with what faith that you have. And then in verse 7, he moves what seems like in a different direction, but I think he's still teaching them about increased faith. And in verse 7 through 10, he tells this really short parable. A parable about this servant. Let me read that in verse 7 through 10. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? No. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, and after you may eat and drink? Do you thank your servant for doing what was commanded? So you also, now he's turning the direction towards the disciples, so you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, Say, we are worthless servants. We have done only what we ought to have done. This is a strange parable. So you have this servant who works hard all day and then comes inside and he doesn't receive a thank you. He doesn't receive a thanks. And apparently this servant is a jack of all trades. He's outside working during the day. He's in charge of... The field, he's in charge of shepherding, and then when he comes inside, he doesn't get a break. He has to put on his apron, and he has to cook and serve dinner. So he's expected to do a lot of things, and he gets no thank you. Why does he not get a thank you? Because he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's doing what he was hired to do. So as Jesus is still answering the disciples' request on increase our faith, maybe one of the subtle messages that Jesus has in there is to be faithful in the routine tasks. Just like this servant is doing what he was asked to do, doing what was required of him, so too the disciples and so too us, we need to be faithful, not just in big things in life, but in all the everyday little mundane activities. To be faithful in the routine tasks. But doesn't it feel good for someone to say thank you? If you're a parent and you have kids or a grandparent, it feels nice when you do a lot for someone and they say thank you. Or they show you that they're appreciative. If you're a teacher, maybe you're on break right now, but you work hard, you work hard with these students, it's nice for these students to sometimes show that they appreciate you. And they see the work that you're putting in and they say thank you or Maybe if you're a minister, it's nice every once in a while to hear a, a thank you. You know, we have this feeling built within us that we like to be appreciated. And then the opposite is true. When someone doesn't say thank you, it makes us feel strange. So this parable that Jesus tells in verses 7 through 10, or really 7 through 9, and then his explanation in verse 10, uh, it goes against our sensibilities as human beings because we want to feel appreciated. We want to feel thanked. Now, for this lesson, you'll see it at the very bottom of the bulletin insert. There's really two main points that I'm working with, two main highlights for this lesson taken directly from this text. And so the very first thing that we learn from this text is we don't need to be thanked. We need to be faithful. They want to be faithful. They want Jesus to increase their faith. And so now he's responding to that with a parable about how you don't need to be thanked. You just need to... Do your task. Be faithful in the routine task. If 
we follow Christ and we do good deeds, maybe during the holiday time those good deeds increase and we do it and we're hoping and we're looking for a pat on the back from either human beings or for God and that's the reason that we do good deeds, then we have the wrong attitude compared to this parable that Jesus tells. I read a book several years ago called The Hiding Place. I'm sure some of you have read that. It was written by Corey Ten Boom. And she was a Christian who lived during the time of Hitler when they were rounding up Jews and throwing them in concentration camps. And so she felt like her and her family felt like they needed to help their fellow Jews. So they hid them in their house. Now they were Christians helping Jews, but eventually they were all caught. So Corey Ten Boom and her family were also thrown into a concentration camp. She was split up for most of her family, but she was with her sister still, her sister Betsy. And they were in this concentration camp working all day long, and then they would go to bed in the evening, and the barracks looked something like this. Just crammed bed on top of another, sleeping on a cot. They don't get a comfortable mattress. And then usually you have to share a cot with three or four other women. Would have been a horrible situation, but somehow Corey Tinboom and her sister were able to smuggle in a small Bible. So in the evenings, they were able to lay on their cot and study the Bible. And one night, they were reading from 1 Thessalonians, towards the end of that letter that Paul writes, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul says, Be thankful in all circumstances. I'm a pretty firm believer that Where you read the Bible affects how you read the Bible. It's one thing to sit in a building or a home where we have air conditioning and food and whatever we want and freedom and to read, give thanks in all circumstances, but it's another thing to read that while you're living in something like you see in this picture. So Corey Ten Boom's sister, Betsy, said, let's say a prayer. And they prayed, and she thanked God for everything, including that cot, and including the fleas. There were fleas everywhere, over everybody's cot. Corey Ten Boom said she didn't want to pray that, but she felt like she needed to be obedient to the text, so she also prayed and thanked God for the fleas. Strange thing to say thank you for, but they're reading that, and Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then each night went by, they were able to study with the small Bible that they had with other ladies that are living and share the gospel with them. Several weeks later, they found out that the reason the guards don't come in their room at night is because the guards were afraid of the fleas. They thanked God for the fleas. They were just being faithful to what they believe God called them to do. And because of the fleas, it opened a door for them to share the gospel with others. You see, they weren't looking for a pat on the back. They weren't looking to be thanked. They were just trying to be faithful, and God provided opportunities through that. You know, there's been a lot of turnover at this church and staff. We have almost a whole new staff in the last year and a half. We'll talk more about change and transitions next week. But for all of us that are new, we've had to leave one place to come to another, and I did that this past spring. So when you leave a place, a church, people that you have worked with, people that you have loved and have loved you, and also people that have frustrated you to no end, you do a lot of reflecting at the end of that. 
And I have another friend who's a minister that told me, when you leave one place and get ready to start another, he said, be thankful for the Christ-like people that you've met along the way. So I started thinking of all these people that have poured into me, that have provided me opportunity, have supported me, even when I was young and I would preach, and they'd still be very positive towards me and encouraged me. And then I started thinking about my wife and my children and people that have taken us in under their wing and treated us like they were family. And I realized there is a lot to be thankful for, for the Christ-like people that God has placed along the way. So one of the things that I'm going to do this week that I want to encourage you to do also is to write a letter. It's one thing to send a text message or write a Facebook message. Think of somebody in your life that has been a good example to you for Christ that has influenced your life and just write a letter. Send them a letter out of, the, out of nowhere and tell them you're thankful because of their influence on your life. Hopefully that increases your faith, which is the disciples' request in Luke 17. So you move on. We're going to move on to verse 11 here. And it almost seems like, again, totally different situation. Luke's just moving to something else. It's just a bunch of various teachings. But again, I think there's a common thread. So this was our scripture reading this morning. I'm going to read it again, verse 11 through 19 of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Let me go back through this and just point out a few things. First of all, in verse 11, Jesus is traveling in this region in between Galilee and Samaria and we know from the Bible, we know historically that Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And so Jesus is traveling in the margins, and when he's traveling in the margins, he meets people who live in the margins. That was a huge part of Jesus' ministry. He's meeting these lepers, or skin disease. And according to the law, according to Levit- Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, they're to be cut off from their community. People are to shout unclean when they see them. So they're out away from everyone, out in the margins, but at least one of them is a Samaritan. We know that misery loves company. So what normally would separate Jews and Samaritans, a common disease, brings them together. And they see Jesus, and they have some sort of faith in Jesus, maybe faith the size of a mustard seed from verse 6. And they shout out to him, they call him master, and they say, have mercy on us because they have a little bit of faith because they believe that Jesus can do something about their condition. And what does Jesus tell them to do? Go show yourself to the priest. According to Leviticus 13 and 14, Jesus shows his respect for the Torah, shows his respect for the law. And on the way, 
they're clean. Their disease disappears. I don't know what that would have been like for them. But apparently only one of them goes back to say thank you. And he just happens to be a Samaritan. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus in the posture of worship and he says thank you. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospel of Luke, this is not the only time in Luke where Luke tells a a story and the Samaritan winds up being the hero of the story and not the Jews. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells what we call the parable of the good Samaritan. Priest, a Levite, walk by, do nothing. But it's the Samaritan who stops and helps the man who was wounded and goes out of his way to help him. And really the stinger in that is the fact that it was a Samaritan, a foreigner. And here again, we have... Ten guys, and only one goes back to say thank you, and he just happens to be a Samaritan. So Jesus is wondering, where are the other nine? Nine were healed, and apparently they all have faith, but Jesus only commends the faith of the one who says thank you. Why did the other nine men not come back? Maybe it was because they were excited. They were finally healed. Go show yourself to the priest and then go home and see your family. Maybe that's what they had in mind. Or maybe they had heard of the reputation that Jesus had and so they wanted to stay away from him and not be associated with him. After all, he was on his way to Jerusalem to die. We don't know why, but we do know that only one goes back to say thank you. And then Jesus has this conversation with him. In verse 19, he tells him, get up. Which the same word or root word in Greek for get up is resurrect, rise. Which early Christians would have connected that. Rise. Your faith has made you well, in verse 19. But the strange thing about that is he's already been cleansed. So why does he say your faith has made you well? Is his healing more than the other nine? Now, I don't think they were any less healed. But I do think there's some sort of deeper healing that takes place with this Samaritan because of his gratefulness. Your faith has made you well. So then you can connect Luke 17 verse 19 with Luke 17 verse 5. They begin by saying, increase our faith. And then that section ends with Jesus saying, your faith has made you well. So look at all this together in one picture. You have the disciples' request, Jesus' words about faith the size of a mustard seed, then this parable about a servant who doesn't need to be thanked, and now this story about only one person who goes back to say, thank you. So we don't need to be thanked or patted on the back. We just need to be faithful. And then another thing that we take from the text is our faithfulness reveals itself in our thankfulness. Our faithfulness reveals itself in our thankfulness. You know, this is Thanksgiving, so it's a time of year, maybe, where we're thinking a little bit more about what we're thankful for. And that's always a positive thing. But, as followers of Jesus, thankfulness doesn't just happen once a year. Thankfulness becomes a part of who we are all year long. And that shows how faithful we are with this heart of gratitude. A while back, I was, 
I was out one night with my daughter. We were jumping on the trampoline. It was nighttime. It was a nice, cool evening, but it wasn't too cold. And we laid down on the trampoline. We looked up at the stars, and it was like, man, this is a really nice night. So I said, Addie, let's pray and thank God for the stars. And she right away said, well, it's not church, it's not dinner time, and it's not bedtime, so why are we praying? So I had explained to her, it doesn't matter, you can pray anywhere at any time. But I said, let's just thank God. Because one of the things that's been taught to me is that parents are the primary spiritual influencers of our child. You know, not youth minister, not a preacher, not a children's minister. We influence, but parents are the number one primary spiritual influencers of their child. So I try to take that serious and find moments to try and disciple my own children. But one of the things that I hope for myself and for my children is that they say thank you, but they don't just verbalize it, they live it. And it takes root. The the feeling of thankfulness just takes root and their heart. And for all of us who follow Jesus, if that feeling of thankfulness takes root in your heart, it'll show itself and we become more joyful, loving, and pleasant people and less selfish. When you're looking for a pat on the back and you're looking to be thanked, who are you thinking about? You're focused on self at that point. But our faithfulness reveals itself in our thankfulness. A long time ago, I was interning with a youth group. And the church I was working for at the time, they were doing 24 hours of prayer. They had made one of their classrooms dedicated to being the prayer room. And you could sign up for different 30-minute time slots where you would come and pray. And they left the building open for 24 hours. They had designated stations of prayer. They were praying for missionaries and had a big map. And they would pray for those who were sick. And they would pray for the future of the church. And so somebody was signed up for every 30-minute time slot except midnight through 6 a.m. So guess who gets that time slot? The youth group. So the youth minister, his wife, and myself, we showed up at the building, went into that prayer room for the next six hours to spend time praying. That's a long time, so we try to mix it up with different forms of prayer. And the youth minister was leading this, and I was just kind of following his lead. But at one point, he had to sit down in a circle, and he said, for the next hour, we're going to just pray a prayer of thanks. So we're just going to go around the room, everybody's going to pray, and then we'll go back around and back around until the hour's up, and we're only going to pray for things that we're thankful for. So at first, that's kind of easy. You do the typical, thank you for family. Thank you for mom or dad or grandparents or siblings. But then as 30 minutes go by, 45 minutes go by, you have to really start thinking, okay, well, what else am I thankful for? At one point, this is really all I can remember, is that one girl said, I'm thankful for chocolate. And that kind of just broke the barrier. And then we started really thinking about everything that we're thankful for. But after that night... That kind of, in a way, changed my prayer life, or at least part of my prayer life. Now, I try to practice a spiritual discipline where at some point during the day, we just, I just pray with no request, no wish list, and just say thank you for certain things or anything I can think of. If it's been a bad day and it's the end of the day, And I can think about all the horrible things that happened or the things that went wrong. That's a good time to practice a prayer of thanks. 
Because what went right during that day? There's always something that went right. Something, like we saw from that video, that we can be thankful for, we just take for granted. So I want to do that right now. I just want to pray a prayer of thanks. And then we'll wrap it up after that and offer an invitation. But if you would, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this church, for the diversity in this church, for everybody and their different backgrounds. We thank you for bringing us together with a common purpose. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We say that on these Sunday mornings, Father, but we we mean it. We don't even fully comprehend it, Father, but we are so thankful for Jesus and his influence and his sacrifice. Lord, we thank you that we have this Bible to study from. Lord, we thank you that not only do we have one, but we have so many copies at our disposal, and we're blessed and we're thankful for that. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for for sometimes for the tough times, because we grow. Lord, we thank you, Father, for, for love, for revealing yourself to us through others. We just thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, This morning, as we wrap up this lesson on Luke chapter 17 about thankfulness, um, one of the options that we have every Sunday morning, I'm not sure if you take advantage of it or not, but we will have shepherds around this building and some of the shepherds standing in the back, and I'll be up front with one of the shepherds up front. Take this opportunity to meet with someone, spend some time in prayer, set up a time for meeting for the future uh, if you need to do that. Why don't you stand, and Tony's going to come back up here and lead us in a few more songs. Weak say I am strong, let the poor say I am rich, let the blind say I can see, it's what the Lord has done in me. Let the poor say I am rich, let the blind say I can see what the Lord has done in me. Savior's love for me, I will rise from waters deep into the saving arms of God. I will sing salvation songs. Jesus Christ has set me free.
Jesus died and rose again. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. I'm thankful to be part of a church that has changed my life and mission. When I think about the last 10 years, 12 years at Pine Tree in missions, I'm so grateful at what God has done through this body of believers. But we had our mission Sunday not long ago, and our team met Wednesday night, and we had to meet to decide what we need to cut in missions. Uh, between what was given on Mission Sunday and our pledges, we were coming up way short. So that was such an unpleasant meeting that we decided we don't need to be meeting about this. We need to go back and give you some more information. Because I just know that this church will step up if you have the right information. So we believe we did not provide you with enough information on Mission Sunday. So give me a minute to tell you some more, and then you go from there. But the Lord has led us to all these different places that you see in the last year. And when I say us, go to the next slide. Us is you. We had 78 people from Pine Tree go on mission trip, foreign, in the last year. Most of this budget that we're talking about, you see the first line, that's how the budget is spent. Member trips is our highest expense. Then mission upreach, then Ghana, then the islands in Cambodia, and then Camp Deer Run at the end, and then a small amount of miscellaneous. We didn't give you this information. You have it now. You need to know how that money breaks out and what will be affected if we have to cut that budget. Go to the next slide, please. Last year, our total pledged and given was 155,672. Actual given was 146,665. That's this year in 2017. Only a deficit of $9,000. You're always good about giving 90% of what's pledged over a year period. The total pledge for 2018 so far is 113300 This is a difference of $42,000, a 27% decrease. This leaves us with a deficit of about $51,000. We could not come up with a reason that the given would have dropped this drastically. 
So we want to come back to you, give you a couple more weeks to get to that box back there in the corner, put a check in or put a pledge card in and help us cover this $50,000 deficit. We don't want to meet to cut because we know we're cutting somebody maybe possibly next to you sitting right now. Because we pay one third of a person's mission trip out of this budget. And many people that go on these mission trips could not afford to go if we did not help with that. We're supporting each other in mission. And just to let you know, in a third world country, the economy there, a preacher in Africa lives on a couple hundred dollars a month. $10,000 given to missions is like a million dollars in a third world country. We don't have any idea how much difference in third world country $50,000 makes. We build church buildings in Africa for $6,000 a piece. $6,000. $50,000 builds a lot of church buildings. We can't get one built here for $50,000. So we're talking about money amounts that, it, yeah, 50 is a lot for us, but it's huge in a third world country. So pray, for, pray about this, would you please? And uh, we're going to give this about two more weeks. And we'll get back with you, let you know where it came out. But we just want to communicate it to you. I also want you, if you have questions, because we have a lot of new people. The mission team, stand up, please. Stand up if you're on the mission team. Craig Rapp, myself, Darren Binkley, uh, drew a blank, Ken, Ken Hounsel. <laughs> and Clint Owens is in here this morning. He's also on the mission team. So those are the people you can tap the shoulder and ask any question you want to about how this money's spent, where it goes. But we're, uh, we're offering another plea that we can make up this deficit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for 
loving me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another beautiful, beautiful Lord's Day that we could come together as a group and study a portion of your words. We uh, thank you for Officer Lee and his protection to come to help protect us, and we ask that you protect him in the process. We ask that you put a protecting hand around the military that's out protecting our freedoms to to join here every day, scattered abroad across the world. We also uh, ask that you comfort him with his loss of his uh, nephew this, this week and put your hand of protection around others that have losses and others that have medical needs and and need your help right now. Help us go out this week as a light into the world, showing everybody our our faithfulness and appreciation for all the many things we have to be thankful for. Watch over us, and most of all, thank you for uh, your son who gave us forgiveness for our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.